give. And for those of you who are here, okay, don't ever look at anything at face value. Don't ever look at anything at face value. If you do, you're going to miss. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God is saying, what God is revealing, what God is speaking into in that moment. Um, it's easy for you to look at your situation. It's easy for you to look at your circumstance and to think, man, why is it that I'm going through what I'm going through? But what if it is that it is what is in you? It is what you've been gifted in, what you've been anointed in that has set you apart, set you aside. And because it sets you apart and because it sets you aside, it puts you in a compromising place where now you've garnered the attention of the enemy. It was my big voice that got me in trouble in school. But if I didn't have a voice, I would have never gotten in trouble. And now the very thing that people told me to stop doing is the thing I do more because it's what God has gifted me to do. It's the anointing that God has given me. So I thank him for it. But now I'm acknowledging that what it is that was, you know, hurting me was really there because there was a gift in me. And so there's a gift in each and every one of us. And sometimes you have to pay attention to that. I'll give you another word of advice before we even get started. I'm already ranting before I even get into the word. Your voice gets you in trouble too. There those of us, our voice is getting us in trouble. Some of us, our intellect gets us in trouble. Some of us, it's our good looks that get us in trouble. For some of us, it's our creativity that gets us in trouble. Always check to see what's getting you in trouble. For some people, it's your good looks. For others, it's your voice. For those of you who are here, it's your intelligence. There are those of you who what you're struggling with is maybe it's your creativity. Something sets you aside and something sets you apart that gets you in trouble. The very thing that gets you in trouble may be the thing that God is uniquely gifting you in. And so for some of you, you've been trying to figure out what it is I'm called to do or you know, what's so special about me. Maybe you should look at what gets you in trouble a lot. Because what gets you in trouble a lot, God wants to redeem. And God may use that as a means by which to call you to something higher, to something greater. Whatever the enemy meant for bad, God meant it for good. And so pay attention to that. Pay attention to what gets you in trouble. That's just, just a word of advice. Pay attention to what gets you in trouble. Because often what gets you in trouble is that people can't handle the uniqueness of your gift. And because you're gifted, you're, op you're applying your gift, right, by means that you may not be prepared for yet or that society may not be prepared for yet or culture may not be prepared for yet. And so if you can learn to reorient it and to realize, hold on, God wants to redeem this. It's the one thing that's setting me aside. So yeah, um, I like how you said that. Stubbornness, yeah, stubbornness. <laughs> Some will see it as stubbornness, but when you redeem it for Christ, it's seen as determination. You see that? And so there's an example of that. And so I think when you redeem it for the glory of Christ, that's when you truly move in what God is calling you to do. Anyway, that's just a word of advice, um, something on the side for you guys before we get into our reading. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was the kid. I was the kid that got in trouble all the time. Um, I used to get in trouble all the time. And really, it's matter the reason why I would get in trouble is because I was misunderstood and no one could really pin me down. And so for that reason, I just, you know, I, I would get in trouble all the time. Anyway, that's a side note. That's a side note. But here we are. 
spending some time together for the reading of the Word of God. If you are here for the first time, what we do here every morning is we spend time in the reading of Scripture. We call this the read and rant, where we read for about 20 or 30 minutes, and then we reflect for another 20 to 30 minutes. We've read through the entire New Testament, and now we're reading through the entire Old Testament. Um, we've read from Genesis, and now we're all the way in the book of Psalms. Guys, can you imagine? Can you believe this, y'all? Can you believe this? There are some of you who've been here from the gate, from the beginning. Some of you have caught on on the podcast because I do put these eventually on the Read and Rant podcast. Um, there are those of you who are patrons who get this right away because some of you, you're like, I can't come on every morning, but I want to make sure I stay on track. And so you uh, you subscribe as a patron and you're, you support me on Patreon, which I thank you all. All of you who support me on Patreon, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're getting closer and closer to reaching the goal on Patreon so that I can um, commit more and more time to doing regular Bible studies and engaging more. So guys, we're almost there. So guys, thank you so much. I really, I truly appreciate each and every one of you as you've committed um, to Patreon. However, um, we are here and there are those of you who come every morning and you journey with us in the scriptures. And I hope you guys see what you've accomplished. What you've accomplished is, is you've gotten from Genesis all the way to the book of Psalms. Some of you were there from the gate, from the gate. And you've read all the way through the New Testament with me, and now you're reading all the way through the Old Testament with me. And I hope what is happening is you're beginning to see the fullness of what the Scriptures is really about. I've gotten so many testimonies from so many of you who have said, man, I see the Bible in a whole different way. I would have never known. The Bible was confusing to me. It didn't really fully make sense. It, I didn't really know what it was about. I, I, I was trying to make sense of it. And yet now that you've been reading through the entire scripture, you're starting to realize, hold on, I'm I'm actually, this is actually starting to come together. And that's really why I believe it's important, critically important, that you just read through the whole thing as if you were reading a story, as if you were reading a book, that you would really read through the whole thing. Because once you read through the whole thing, you can back up and begin to realize the grander picture and the grander narrative and the grander story of what God is doing, what God has done, and what God will continue to do in the days to come through His people, in His people, for His people, for His glory. And so that's why we're here, and that's why we engage. And so um, I will. I'm going to continue just reading, and I'm going to read from all the way to the uh, end of the Old Testament. We're going to go back to the New Testament. We'll read through the New Testament, and we'll go back again. This is my regular rhythm, y'all. If anybody has asked, you know, Pastor Isaac, tell me how you continue to grow. How do you continue to move? How do you continue? This is how you do it. You just read. You just read and reflect. Then if you've got time, study. <laughs> um, I say that. I know it sounds weird to say that. But if you have time, study. Okay, this comes from a guy who loves to study scriptures, but I can tell you it's best that you read it and that you posture yourself to hear from God. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask three questions. The three questions that we're asking is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning me? I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And I want you to just pray those prayers and ask it as you read and allow God to speak to you and to reveal to you the truth of his heart, who he is, and what he's come to accomplish. And that's what we're coming to do. We're just coming to eat the word today. And so I'm excited, y'all. 
I'm excited. Um, I believe that the Lord every time comes with something new. I have nothing prepared, nothing prepared at all. I'm just here just to show up. You guys are being given the opportunity to eavesdrop on my daily rhythm and my daily habit. And I'm showing you how much 20 to 30 minutes will get you through. So I hope you will journey with me as we read through the scriptures. And so we're going to be reading through the book of Psalms. And we happen to have read up to Psalm 22. And so today we're going to read Psalm 23. So we're going to pray and then we're going to move forward. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each and every person who's here. Lord, for all the folks who are on TikTok right now, for all the folks who are on IG right now, for this entire community of people who've come together in simultaneity to read your word. Father, there are those of us who are in different time zones, in different areas around the world, in different regions, and yet you brought us together to read your word. How powerful is that? That we can leverage the creativity and the technology that you've given us to be able to do this, to accomplish this, to come together. So Father, bless us today, Lord, as we engage in your word. Allow us, Lord, to hear from you. Uh, Lord, let it not be our wisdom and our will and our mind on your word, but let this word renew our mind. Let it transform our mind that we would be conformed to your image. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 23, and it says this. You can read along with me. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord, Lord's and all its fullness and the world and those who dwell therein for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the glory, the King of glory, shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. 
The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with a cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. Mm. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. Psalm 26, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my iniquity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the inhabitation, sorry, loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Mm. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is a sinister scheme, and whose right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me when you said, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. 
When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. (sighs) Wait on the Lord. Um, I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to spend a few moments in reflection. Um, As I told you before, we, our goal, one of our primary goals is to read through the entire Bible. That's why we even started this is so that I would expose you to the totality of scripture. And by reading larger portions and larger swaths of scripture, what it provides to you is a better understanding of what the Bible is really about. And if anything, go back and listen to the other reading rants and participate in that or go on Patreon and you can catch all the most recent episodes um, as we put all these that we do here live on that platform. I say that to you because the temptation is to actually just keep reading and to keep pushing through. But that's not how I journey with Christ. It's not how I journey in the scripture. And it's not how I believe any believer should journey in the scripture as well. I know many of your lives have changed as a result of just committing yourself to the word, as as of just committing yourself every day, coming with me, joining with me, and just reading through the scripture. And I know that's been profoundly transformative for you. But I think with Psalms, it's a little bit different. I know you've read all the way from Genesis, and now we're all the way in the book of Psalms, and you've been reading every day along with me, and you've been meditating. And I know that this has been an eye-opener, that what you've seen is maybe the Bible isn't about what people have said that it's about. And maybe what God is really saying in the scripture and what the scripture is actually instructing us is not what we grew up seeing or believing or being told in church. But we get now to the book, and it's nice because we get to see the whole narrative and the whole story. But Psalms is a little bit different because as I told you before, Psalms, the book of Psalms is the mixtape of the oppressed. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. The book of Psalms is a compilation of songs written by David, written by other prophets, and by some unknown authors as well. But the DJ, the the compiler of the book of Psalms, compiles this book in a very unique way so as to thread a message and a narrative. Because again, as any good mixtape DJ does, a good mixtape DJ coordinates the songs in a way so as to present to you a story, a narrative. That's what the good ones do. And so what they're doing here is they're presenting a story as well and a narrative. And so they're organized in this way so as to communicate to you a greater story, a grander narrative about what God is doing in the life of his people. Remember, before you read this for yourself, and I've always said this and something I always challenge you as you read scripture, before you read it for yourself, read it through the lens of the people that's being written to you. Why? Because then when you understand what it meant for them, you'll understand the implication of what it should mean for you today. Did you hear me? You have to understand 
and and we've gone through this as we've been reading. I'm going to do a little teaching, and then after that, I'm going to tell you what the Lord is really convicting me of, even as I read today. But I want you to at least enter somewhat into this crazy mind of mine to help you understand a little bit about what the Scripture is actually saying and what the Scripture is actually speaking and why it matters so much, even in this moment today. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and you'll hear me say it over and over again because I have to remind you because, again, of our natural tendency, our natural proclivity to go and to read the Bible and to simply read it and say, God, what are you saying to me? What does this mean for me? Me, 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 me. It's important first. As a good disciplinarian in Scripture is to read the Bible and to first say, who was it written by and who was it written to? And once I know who it's written to, what does it mean for the person that it's being written to? Because if I understand what it means for the person that it's being written to, then I can understand how it applies to me and what it should mean for me. This is what, again, this is how we ought to read the Scripture. So if I ask you, okay, if it's a compilation of songs, the who, what, where, why, when, if it's a compilation of songs, that have been written to the children of Israel, what were the children of Israel going through at the time? What were they going through when they received this mixtape of songs? These psalms that you're reading, they would sing them. That's why it's called psalms, because they were songs that were sung in the home. They were songs that were sung in public. They were songs that were sung in their gatherings. This was their hymn book. And they would sing these hymns and these songs over and over again. They became who they were. These, these songs were written for the specific purpose of, of, of shaping the heart and the mind of the ancient Hebrew who was in captivity. Stay with me, y'all. Remember, when they received this compilation, when they received these psalms, they received these psalms when they were away from home, when they were in captivity, when they were the minority, when they were the oppressed, where they were the disenfranchised, where they were the people who no one would consider anything of them. They were a weird people, a peculiar people who lived on a peculiar way of living. We see that all through the scriptures. And again, this is what God had called them to be and called them to do. But these people, because of, again, their sin against God, because of their disobedience to the God that blessed them, because of their disobedience. And I've, I've always said this, that um, if, you, if you want God to bless you, side note, if you want God to bless you, God has blessings, unlimited store, unlimited supply of blessings. But understand that the blessings of God are conditional upon our relationship with God. The very God that blesses us demands a standard of us as well. He doesn't bless us for the standard, but you have to understand that when you don't meet up to the standard, you compromise the blessing of God. You compromise what God has done. You compromise. If it's God that blesses you, then it's God that holds you accountable. God doesn't punish anyone, okay? Understand that. Um, he, we talked about this before, that God doesn't punish you, 
But God can withhold, even though He withhold he, the Scripture says that He withholds no good thing. It does not mean that God does not prohibit certain things, because again, there are things that are a blessing conditional upon the environment. A license is not a blessing for my son. A license is a blessing for me. It's not a blessing for my son. A razor is a blessing for me. You know, I shave my head because I'm bald up here. It's not a blessing for my son. A blessing before its time is a curse. And so often we want the blessings of God. But we want the blessings of God before we have yet to cultivate the maturity to actually handle what God has for us. If you're going to ask God for a blessing, make sure you can handle it. If you're going to ask God for the good things that he has, make sure you're actually in a place to handle it. You want to be married, but yet you're not in a place to be married. You, you, you want money and resources and finances, and yet you haven't found yourself in a place and in a maturity to be able to actually administrate the blessing of God. When God blesses you, it's a responsibility. When God blesses you, you're called not to steward the blessing of God. If God gives you money, it's not yours. Remember that. We, I've talked about this before. I'm ranting, but let me rant for a moment. But I've talked about this before. And you may have heard this if you've been with me from the gate. If you haven't, you'll hear it again from me. Is when you are in Christ, you own nothing. You are the owner of nothing. Nothing is actually yours. Your children aren't yours. Your family isn't yours. Your money isn't yours. Your home, your house, none of it is yours. You see every blessing that God gives you as a responsibility and as a call to steward. If God gives you more money, he's calling you to steward. He's trusting you with it, to steward it in order to be a blessing to the world. If he gives you beauty, then he's calling you to steward that and to steward well, steward it well for his glory. If he, if he gives you children, he's entrusting you with the next generation of spirit-filled believers. If, if God gives you anything, he gives it to you for the sake of his glory. So it's not yours. You are the owner of nothing. You are the steward of everything. You see, here's the problem. The problem is for many believers, for most people, we have this mentality of it's mine, my children, my kids, my thing, my stuff. And so you wonder why you have all this anxiety in you and why something doesn't feel right and why there's still a groaning in you because none of it was meant to be yours. It was all meant to be God's for you to steward. So instead now change your mindset about the things that God gives you and instead begin to see it as, oh, wow, I've just been blessed by God to steward this very thing that he's given me for his glory. My kids, my home, my family, my wife, my husband, all of it, it's not mine. It's not my body. It's not my kids. It's not my money. It's none of that. It's none of that. It's all God's. That's how we live under the authority and the glory of Christ. That's what a life in submission really looks like when we give it all up to him. Oh my goodness, I'm ranting. I'm sorry. Um, I, I had to get that out of my system. I had to get that out of my system. The children of Israel were distinct. They were separate. And now... 
they're being given this hymn book, this mixtape. And this mixtape begins to shape their heart. Because the more we sing, and this is the, the, the language of music and the language of the creative is the language of the heart. You won't know a man unless you know his heart. You won't know a woman unless you know her heart. That's why he wants to transform your heart. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to transform. And for many of us, and this is where I'm getting to my point here, is for many of us, we want to know more and we want to understand more and we want to gain more insight. But unfortunately, information doesn't change people. Let me say that one more time. Information doesn't change people. You know, I find that people want to speak to the person who's most informed because if I have more information, then I'll be, you know, whatever it is that I, I believe I'm called to become or called to do or called to be. We live in a day and age family where information is readily available. You don't even, even need to go to college to learn anything anymore. You got YouTube, you got Google, you can get all the information you need. There's no information that's not available to you. Information is not a problem. You know what's funny though? Is that even though we live in an era and in a day and age where information is freely and readily available, you don't even need to pay for it to get it. That even then people are still the same. They haven't changed. Their behaviors are still the same. They still deal with the same stuff. It's not like we're any better now than we were before because information doesn't change you. Information doesn't transform you. Information doesn't make you into who you desire to be. No, 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 no. Just because you put some stuff in your mind doesn't mean you change. No, you need a change in your heart. When your heart changes, that's when you change. And for some of us, we need a heart change. We want more Bible, more understanding of scripture, we want all that, but we want to, no, 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 your, your heart needs to be changed. Your heart needs to be molded. Your heart needs to be shaped. Your heart, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Last point, because I'm, I'm in four at, I guess this is the weekend, y'all. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. It did not say, be ye informed by the developing of your mind. Many people want to be informed and they think that if they inform their mind, then they have transformed their mind. No, no, you need to be transformed by the renewing. You actually need a new mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. So stop trying to cram information into a broken mind. There's a lot of us, we've taken Bible and we're trying to impose our mind on the scripture. We're trying to insert scripture into a broken mind, into a mind that's still sinful, a mind that needs correcting. And since we're not ready to die to ourselves yet, that's how we take scripture and that's how it's been used in a religious way so as to impose people's will on other people. No, no, no. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind isn't renewed, the Bible doesn't matter. Let me say that one more time. Oh, man, this is so tough. 
today, I don't know what's what's taking me. I'm just working some stuff out right now. If your mind isn't renewed, the Bible doesn't matter. If your mind isn't renewed, the Bible doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much scripture you read. It doesn't matter how much Bible you read. It doesn't matter how much scripture you memorize because the devil got Bible memorized. Nobody knows the Bible more than Satan. Satan knows the Bible. There are atheists and agnostics who are theologians. So if you tell me if I know more Bible, then that's what I'm going to need in order to be transformed. I came to tell you something. More Bible is not going to change anything. If you put these verses into a broken mind and a sinful mind, one that has not yet decided that they need to die to themselves to rise to a new life in Christ, putting these words into your mind is like putting wood through a wood chipper. The word never takes root. It just gets shredded up by your own ideology, your own idolatry, and your own way of thinking. No, you need to be transformed by your mind first before you study this word. I I have to say that. I have to iterate that over and over again. Where am I going with this? Why does this matter? We're ranting. I get it. But this all matters. It all matters because the children of Israel— Read these songs because these songs are the language of the heart. These songs are the language of the mind. These songs are the language of the soul. That's why you can read a song over and over again or sing. Sorry, sing a song over and over again and you continue to sing it because it feeds your soul. It shapes your soul. It shapes your mind. It attends to the emotion. This is what a song does because, again, we are not simply logical beings. We are emotional beings. And mind I add add to this is that every destiny decision is emotionally tied. You don't make destiny decisions based off of logic. Oh, man. I don't know what's going on with me today. You do not make destiny decisions based off of logic. Logic is not the reason why you became a chef. Logic is not the reason why you became a doctor or became a lawyer. Logic isn't the reason why you became a minister or whatever it is that you've been called to be or called to do. A calling is deeply emotional. There's always an emotional tie to it. You use your logic to follow the emotion of it, but it's the emotional tie to it. It's that that thing that you can't explain that makes you desire and want to be this thing and to do this thing and to accomplish this thing. It is the emotion that makes the man. It is the emotion that makes the woman. It is the emotion that informs you. Logic doesn't make destiny decisions. You cannot logically deduce why you became what you are or why you're moving and what you're called to other than something was tugging and pulling at your heart. You wept about it. You cried about it. You you reflected over it. You You reminisced over it, and it's what made you who you are. No, a calling is a calling, and God has a way of speaking into our calling through the emotion. Which is why your relationship with God cannot be logical. Getting to my point. Getting to my point. Stay with me, fam. I'm almost there. Your relationship with God cannot simply be logical. Intimacy with God cannot be, well, you know, I read my Bible today. I learned some more information and I'm good. That's good. Let's go. 
That's not what relationship is. Relationship actually isn't logical at all. And faith isn't logical. If faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, then faith isn't logical either. We cannot deduce faith. We can defend through deduction and through reason and through logic, but we cannot deduce faith. And so if it is emotional, if it is attending to my heart, God wants our heart. He wants us to be intimate with him. That's the part that's hard for folk is we're just trying to get ideas and we're wondering why we're not being transformed. It's because we're not yet giving our heart and we're not yet seeking his heart. We still got an old mind. And yet God wants us to have a new mind. It's why in the scriptures, you cannot distinguish between the mind and the heart. The heart and the mind were used as the same thing. They were one and the same. And for many of us, this is where we get to. We get to a front where we've gotten to the wall of logic. I got enough information. It kind of makes sense. I get the Bible. Okay. I get what it is. Ah, uh, okay. I kind of like community and I, I like these people. And so I go to a church because, you know, it's good people and it's good community and all that is, and that's okay. If that's where you're at, then keep working that. But for some of you, you're still waiting for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And yet you haven't given what is absolutely necessary for a relationship with God is your heart. It's your heart. In the same way that you have a relationship with your, 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 your spouse, or you have a relationship with a with, 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 with a husband or a wife. You don't ever just sit there and go, send me a book about who you are, and you know, we'll just we'll just do this thing, you know? We'll just be married and it'll just be. No one ever thinks of a marriage that way. And for many of us, we have a dysfunctional relationship with God. Our dysfunctional relationship with God has been one in which we make God a a, a, a box to check. Something just to be compliant in. Something that I need to do in order to feel better about myself. And yet, what the book of Psalms does is it causes you to confront what a relationship with God really looks like. These songs these people are singing are written by, for most of what we've read so far, written by David. David is a man after God's own heart. He's a man after God's own heart. He's a man who's chasing after the heart of God. He's a man who's, who's not just chasing the mind and the wisdom of God, but he's chasing after the heart of God. Stay with me, fam. 
There are those of us who are still chasing the mind of God, to know about God, but have we yet sought after and chased after the heart of God? The heart of God that then attends to the heart of man. There are a lot of guys, I say this all the time, and, well, you know, I don't like this, the, the emotional um, part of what it means to be a believer and all that, and, and you know, I like, I like, no, a relationship with God is a deeply emotional thing. I'm telling you something right now. The day that you sit down in intimacy with God and you discover in that moment that you are his son. The day you realize that you're his daughter, like you are, you are the daughter to the creator of the universe, when you realize that you are his daughter and you are his son and that he loves you more than anything in the world, you can't help but be overwhelmed with emotion. As a matter of fact, if there's no emotion in it, I doubt you fully understand what that means. It's one of the most liberating, life-changing, things that can ever happen to a believer. And it's the very thing that, tr that, that transitions you out of the thinking that many who are simply trying to be compliant to Christianity do. They have yet to actually experience the affection of God. I say that because as we're reading through this text, and I can, each one of these chapters is a whole thing in and of itself. Each one of these chapters is a whole thing. I just want to just give you that quick side note. Um, I can do a rant. I can rant all the way through on each one of these. But there are things that stick out to me that I want you to really attend to. In chapter 27, Oh, I love it. When he says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I just want to do a quick little side note on this because, again, I don't have enough time. But this is, this is a message in and of itself. Is there those of us who have given up on seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living? There are those of us who have given up on experiencing the goodness of God in the land of the living. All we aspire for is to see God in heaven. There are those who have just given up on the possibility of peace and joy and gladness in the land of the living. But he says here that for the many things that had happened to me, and many of us, we have this issue right now, is that there are many instances where we should have lost heart. Yes, you should have lost heart. But what held you together is your belief. I might just sit here. This one, this one of the most powerful. I know we like Psalm 23. I know we like that. But this verse right here, Psalm 27, verse 13, is one of the most powerful, most powerful verses in the scripture. It's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible because it says to us, as, 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 as the psalmist is saying here, he says, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have lost hope unless I believed. 
unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. He's saying, I would have lost hope unless I believed. Meaning, believing is what gives me my hope. And what I'm hoping for is not something uh, in the future. What I'm hoping for, not, not in the future, but not something in another time and in another realm. It's not in the afterlife. It's not in the, no, no, no. What I'm hoping for is in the land of the living. What I'm hoping for is right now. What I'm hoping for, no, no, no. I'm hoping for this before I die. Some of us, we need to get into this mindset because there are those of us that have reached a stage in our life where we've already given up on seeing the goodness of God. We've given up on seeing the blessings of God. There are those of us who have given up on seeing the goodness of God, the blessing of God. There are those of us who've given up on, who've given, all, given up all hope and said, you know what? This is it for me. I'm just going to just ride this thing out. And when the Lord takes me home, let him take me home. I'm done with all of this. And there's some people right now who are dealing with how can you find joy and how can you experience any kind of blessing because it's over for me. Uh, but the psalmist in Psalm 27 verse 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God wants you to keep the hope alive. To know that even in the land of the living, before you die, you can still see the goodness and the blessing of God. Do not lose heart. As a matter of fact, what allows you to not lose heart is your belief that the goodness of the Lord is in the land of the living. So for these people right now who are receiving this, they're singing these songs in the midst of their oppression, in the midst of their trial, and they're seeing this and realizing that as we suffer as a people who've been disenfranchised with no rights, as we're suffering through this, we can still sing this song because we, even in the land of the living, uh, we aspire to see the goodness of the Lord. There are those of us that we have not yet arrived there. We've given up on that. We're actually looking for things to give us a glimmer of hope. Can I speak on that? I'm just going to sit here. We're actually looking for things to give us hope. If just this one thing can happen, then I'll have a glimmer of hope. Then, if, if this happens, then, then I'll be hopeful. When David says that I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, what if your hope comes from your belief? And what if when you truly believe that God's not done with you yet, that's when your hope comes? And what if you don't need to wait for a glimmer of hope? The glimmer of hope is in you. It's your faith. It's in your believing that God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet, fam.
He's not done. Don't lose hope. Do not lose hope. He closes with, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. The word wait in that text, for those of you who are wondering, the word wait on that text is not how we see wait. Okay, the word wait on the text is um, the better translation for that word is actually anticipate. There's a difference. I know you've read the Bible verse, wait on the Lord and it, and he shall renew your strength. Or you've read in Psalm 27 where he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. And so if I wait on God, he'll strengthen, strengthen us. And, and for some of us, we think that waiting on God is just sitting back and just kind of just waiting. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But the word wait there actually is the word anticipate. There's a difference between just sitting there waiting and debating on whether or not something will happen or when you anticipate with expectation that something will happen. Because when you anticipate with expectation, it changes how you wait. It changes how you behave. You don't wait passively just waiting for something to happen so you can get your hope back. No, you actually move with hope and anticipation about the thing that God's going to bless you with or the thing that God is going to do in your life. So now when you anticipate, you prepare. Anticipating requires you to prepare. You're waiting actively. Anticipating requires you now to put things together, to get your place in line, to set things in order, the things that you have control for. You know when you're anticipating something, it actually changes what you do now? If you're anticipating something tomorrow, it changes what you do today. If you anticipate something next week, it changes what you do today. If you anticipate something a year from now, it changes how you plan this year moving forward, right? It's the same way a, a, a pregnant couple, right? A pregnant couple who's anticipating a child, their behaviors change. They start moving their money in a different way. They start buying different things and they start preparing for different things because even though I don't see the baby, I'm anticipating a baby coming. And because I'm anticipating a baby coming, I got to set my home in order for what is to come. And for many of us, we're waiting, not setting things in order because we're not waiting right. We're not anticipating as he tells us to anticipate. It's wait on the Lord. And when you wait, that is anticipate, then he'll strengthen your heart. You don't wait for hope. You come with hope. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take your hope away from you. He wants you to lose hope. He wants you to say, man, listen, ain't nothing going to happen for you. It's over for you. You're, you're on the other side of your life. There's nothing left to do. Or you know what? <laughs> For where you came from, it doesn't matter. Ain't nothing you can do now. You're done. No. No, that's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the enemy. Actually, he wants you to do that because if he can get you to feel that way, if he can discourage you, if he can bring you down, then you'll just sit around and do nothing. If you're ever hearing something in your, if you ever some, if you ever hear something in your head that says it's over for you, it's not going to get any better. Life is done. 
you're, you can just ride this thing out. That's it for you. Ain't nothing left. I came to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. God is not done with you yet. The devil wants you to believe that he's done. Because if you believe that he's done, then you'll just stay at home and do nothing. Depressed, hopeless, waiting to die, waiting for it to all be over. He wants you to believe that you're done. Because if you believe that you're done, you'll just do nothing and he'll get what he needed because the devil has no power over you. As a matter of fact, what he's afraid is that you actually get up and that you actually move. So I came to tell you, get up and go because God is not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. When you start believing, your heart starts strengthening again. When you start believing, your heart starts, mm. when you start believing again, you'll learn how to endure even in the time of trial. When you start to believe again and you wait on the Lord, then he will renew your strength. So let's wait well. Let's wait well. Father, I thank you, Lord, you brought us here, Lord, to meditate on your word. And I just thank you, Lord, for each and every person who's here. Lord, who's um, gathering here, Lord, just to meditate on your scriptures along with me, Father. You've, you're speaking something to each and every one of us. And even though I'm sharing in uh, what the Lord is speaking into me today, what you're speaking into me today, <laughs> um, I know, Lord, that you're saying something to each and every one of us. And maybe these words were the words that we all needed to hear. I know it is. These are words that I would need to hear, and I need to hear them regularly, that I need to learn to wait well, to anticipate uh, what you're doing, to anticipate your kingdom, to anticipate your glory, to anticipate your promises, to anticipate what you've called me to do. And so, Father, I know each and every one of us here is called, called by you, Lord, to move extravagantly and extraordinarily. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you would bless us each, Lord God, for those of us, Lord, uh, the young folks who are stepping into new things, Father, I pray that we would have courage knowing, Lord, that you'd be glorified in it. For those of us who are on the other side, who feel like, well, uh, the, the best half of our lives are over, Father, I came to declare right now by the power of your Spirit, Lord, that the best days are still ahead. And so I ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every one of us to know, Lord, that you are not done with us yet, that we would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, family. Um, bless everybody. Bless you all on, on IG. Bless you all on, on, on TikTok. We do this every morning. Um, this will be our last week of doing the read and rant for the year. And so we're going to keep blazing through the book of Psalms. As you guys know, we'll do Psalms 28. We've gone from Genesis. Um, I also put up the audio. So if you're on Patreon, you're going to get the audio right away because I'm going to go and edit it. I'm going to pull myself to the side and make sure I have this edited for you. Um, so that way you guys get it. So you, you guys can reflect on it. Because I know I have folks from the West Coast who say, hey, listen, I can't get up at four in the morning every morning. And so it's great that you guys are a part of what we're doing as well. Um, and if you want to, you can also always catch up on um, the, uh, the Read and Rant uh, podcast as well. So subscribe to the podcast. So become a patron, subscribe to the podcast. All the information is available on the profile. So I want to encourage you to just click the link in the profile 
Um, we're trying to reach the goal. We're trying to get 30 more patrons. That's what I'm praying for right now. I'm praying for 30, 30 more patrons uh, before the end of this year. And so if, if the Lord is pulling you to come and support, I would love for you to join us and to be a part of our Patreon community. Um, as you know, yes, I, you know, I do give some extra content there, but it's really just a community of people who are supporting what we're doing here. And I truly am encouraged by you all. So love you guys. God bless you guys. See you guys tomorrow. Um, Bible study. Yes. So Bible study, I will post the link. So I'll post all the information, um, real quick here. Um, we will have Bible study later tonight, okay? So the Bible study will be tonight at 8 p.m. So I will be posting the link. I'll, I'll post it all there so you guys will get the information. Um, Patreon, just click the link in the bio, um, and and you'll see, you'll get the information there uh, about Patreon. Click the link in the bio, click become a patron, and you'll get all the information there. Patreon is just a community of people who support um, uh, uh you can either now that there's an annual option, but you can support monthly. It's ten dollars a month, and it's really just to, you know, to give you guys an opportunity to support in any way. And I'm truly encouraged by you all. Um, I know ten dollars may not seem like a lot for some of you, like oh, it's just ten dollars, no big deal. It means a lot because it affirms to us, my wife and I, especially that what we're what we're stepping out of and stepping into, that God's calling us into that. So um, I'm truly encouraged by you all.